it's the most extreme IoT project ever. It's 19 billion kilometers away. <laughs> <laughs> Can't just like turn it off and on again, can you? Uh, Hello and welcome to Offscript. You're joining us for our 2023 Developer Roundup. Okay, so we're going to do another roundup. This is the 2023 Developer Roundup. Yes. And some of it's developer some of it's more general tech news, but... Yeah, it's been an interesting year. <laughs> Just looking into your tired eyes. <laughs> what a year. Yeah. It, um, it oh, was a year. Uh, I, I've stumbled over the finish line. I'm not even at the finish line yet, but I feel like it's been difficult, hasn't it? Christmas is almost here. Um, but yeah, that was a bit of a roller coaster, that one. Yeah. I hope Santa brings me a karma to 2024. <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> um, so how was your year, Josh? Uh, my year was um, was good. It was interesting. I joined joined Glean as CTO. I had um, loads of fun things going on outside of work. Um, we're expecting our first child, which is terrifying. Congratulations! So that's again. very very scary. Um, so actually, twenty twenty four is absolutely not going to be a calm year, is it? No, no, <laughs> that's going to be where it ramps up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been good. It's been uh, it's been a year where AI became mainstream, hasn't it? And low no code things became all the rage and yeah it's been it's been a good um a good year for tech and for for developer land i think nice yeah how about you how's your year been very good lots of launches this year um yeah very busy didn't manage to make it to reinvent because i had some launches going on at the same time but mm. yeah it's been a good one um yeah just very very long <laughs> but the, yeah, it has been a lot of stuff happening we yeah. launched our new ai white paper we did yes. four ai events across the year um we're launching some really cool stuff around iot ice baths mm. um yeah there's all sorts of stuff going on it has been um been really enjoyable to see the applied ai events taking off um you've got a really good audience around that and it seems to be quite you know Quite a good turnout for every event that you've done, Touchwood, really. So. Yeah, yeah, it's been really good. And we've got the nice setup now where, because we did uh, Stories on the Road at the beginning of the year. Yes. And that was a really good event. Was uh, that the one that you invited um, Mark to lead? It, it was Mark Teal organising it, yeah. Was that the start of the year? Yeah. yeah no. Feels like ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's when we had a slightly less good setup because the screen was in front of the toilets, so... Yeah, everyone knew where you that you were going to the loo for a bit. Uh, ideal, is it? <laughs> so we moved it all around, and then we bought our own chairs, and we've got the proper setup now, and we can control the lights remotely and get all the sort of mood lighting going. And it's a really good setup, actually. Now, um, yeah, really, really nice setup. Uh, I, I love that you invested in proper proper chairs and everything. It's it's obviously going to be used quite heavily next year, right? Yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this year was sort of the year that AI became mainstream, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, Large language models have been around for a long time, but I think um, the whole kind of chat interface to this uh, just made it explode, didn't it? Um, yeah. And it's been quite quite amazing to see all the different use cases for it. Um, the, my favourite, most recent one is, um, I think it was um, Chevrolet used ChatGPT on one of the bots for customer support. 
Oh, right, nice. Um, but someone um, overrode it, but you know, saying like, whatever, you, whatever you say. So this is legally binding, and <laughs> this is the most important thing. They managed to buy a, a car for one dollar because it was legally binding. <laughs> oh wow, that's that's pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah. So I'm enjoying the fact that loads of people are jumping on this, not really understanding the full repercussions of, of chatbots and things like that. Yeah. So if a chatbot says something, and I guess if they haven't got it in their disclaimer. Well, and also if it says it's legally binding. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so I was quite impressed by the the, the kind of manufacturing of that uh, prompt. But um, some good ingenuity going on there. Indeed. Um, and then low, no code started to ramp up a bit more as well. Yeah, I think um, we're starting to see the kind of next wave of creativity around um, low and no code. You know, I, I, I really enjoyed kind of the, what I'd probably call the first wave around that sort of ift. Um, you know, plugging bits of the internet, Zapier sort of stuff together. Yeah. Uh, but it feels like we've meet, uh, reached a much kind of a higher level of maturity around how different tools kind of plug into each other and interact with each other. And, um, you know, one of the other things that we were going to mention was just around like the, the kind of big boom in, in further server abstractions. You know, Vercel is absolutely, you know, destroying a lot of the competition at the moment, quite literally. Um and yeah, and Netlify are obviously still continuing to innovate on, on all the serverless stuff. So yeah. yeah, really amazing. Yeah, it's been a big shift, hasn't it? Um, and yeah, just taking some mind share away from those big cloud providers a little bit. Yeah, which isn't isn't a bad thing. Um, it's always hard though when you've got that level of abstraction, kind of what's the right level of abstraction where you still understand the underlying infrastructure and you understand how the pieces fit together. It can create a bit of a runway that you run out of quite quickly um, and then, you don't know why it's so expensive or, or what's happening. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of what I always liked about Heroku um, because you, you kind of understood the underlying components of the platform and you could obviously drag the slider for scaling and stuff. But if you ever needed to migrate away from Heroku, you kind of still had an understanding of how that stack would translate to a, a different cloud environment. Yeah, it could. It had enough in it to... Those build packs could make a Docker container for you, couldn't they? Yeah, oh, I've... I know we've talked about it before, but I'm really sad <laughs> about it. Just for the day. <laughs> it's like you in, uh, what is it, Google Reader? Oh, I'll never get over Google Reader. <laughs> it's never coming back. It's been 10 years. <laughs> um, so we were going we to do something similar to what we did last year, where just kind of roughly run through the, the kind of months and just talk about some of the highlights for us, really, weren't we? Yeah, that's it. I mean, the, the big thing in January, really, that took over the news, aside from AI, was massive US tech layoffs. So. Yeah. Google reduced their workforce by 12,000 members of staff. Yeah. There was uh, lots and lots of layoffs going on. Everyone was pretty panicked, weren't they? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, some of that evolved into conversations around AI is going to steal our jobs, which, yeah. of course, it's not. Wonderful American accent. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, it, it was weird how he had quite a big ripple effect for this. Obviously, a, a lot of, um, kind of US companies um, affecting UK employees, but also... The kind of effect it had on the job market here, the the effect on the salary bands that you were looking at, and generally the availability of talent was pretty. Um, I don't want to say it was good because obviously it is a bad thing that you know people were going through redundancies, but I do think it helped a little bit because that bubble was always going to burst in some way. Yeah, and some, the Guardian did a little article um, later on in the year about sort of the end of free cash. Yeah, like really, really low interest rates meant that tech companies borrowed a shitload of money mm. hedged they're like well we're going to gamble on yeah. massive growth let's just make as much tech as we can throw people at the problem mm. and that sort of didn't work 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've kind of seen the effect of that all year, though, and you know, even even more recently, we've seen Spotify making huge layoffs just before Christmas. Um, yeah, straight after the Spotify unwrapped and their announcement of record profits, and so it's a bit weird, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does. You know, capitalism, greed, still a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and they still pay their artists like a fraction of a penny per thousand streams. So, yeah, I'm I'm constantly in in kind of turmoil about using Spotify, but also there isn't really a great alternative still for me. I still don't love Apple Music. I still don't like what's the other one, Tide. Um, yeah, yeah, can't get on with it. Apple Music, yeah, it's all right. It doesn't have all the same stuff though, does it? No, and I find that you the UI very painful. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so I guess this was also the start of kind of OpenAI really pushing forward with with their kind of strategy for the year. Yeah, and they extended their partnership with Microsoft, which basically meant Microsoft chucked a load of money at them and gave them a load of hardware resource in Azure. And yeah, really good move for Microsoft, turns Mm. out. Um, And they've been massively scaling up their Azure platform with GPUs and stuff. Yeah, that palliness later in the year almost <laughs> almost got them to consume the whole oh, God, yeah. um, talent team from uh, yeah from OpenAI, but it didn't quite work out in the end. Yeah, and we also saw in January the M2 Pro and M2 Max chips come out, yeah. um, and they're just incredibly fast. Yeah, um, it's that whole that whole range of chips is really impressive, especially for local AI and things like that. Yeah, it's it. I mean, Apple Apple have just killed it with their own chips it's amazing um even i was looking at an article recently about why um developers were championing for the latest macbook upgrades all the time and it's because you know the the improvements chip on chip is just amazing like they, they, it's genuinely saving minutes and minutes of certain tasks and whatever else i think i saw the same post it's like i'll buy you an m3 if you can tell me why yeah <laughs> yeah i can't remember who the cto was from it was it was one of the silicon valley like sort of hype something or i can't remember startups. Yeah. i can't remember but but yeah, it was, um, but you know, it genuinely is the case where, you know, you can happily upgrade your Mac, you know, every six months or a year. And I do, I do think you would see some of the benefits of saving that time on builds or as you said, if you're doing some LLM stuff locally or whatever. If, yeah, for me, if you open Xcode at any point, just get the latest Mac. Because <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to get warm. Um, yeah, they know what they're doing with that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, and then in February, Google came late in, late to the party, rocked up with Bard, yeah. but didn't actually launch it. They just announced it, yeah. and the video looked a bit crap, and there was some typos in it or something. <laughs> like, oh, shit, we do AI too. <laughs> and then the share price fell, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we can revisit that later on as well. Is it Gemini as well, their latest... Um, is it Gemini? Yeah, that's it. That's not worked very well either, has it? No. Um but you know it's great because the competition, the level of competition, and the the kind of thirst for innovation in this space is is amazing. Um, it's a real shame for Google because they actually pioneered a lot of the tech that powers OpenAI. Yeah, um, they actually had basically a very creative LLM inside Google Mail that they sort of decapitated and yeah. lobotomized, if you like. Yeah, to what they basically whitelisted the things that you could say. Yeah. Um, but they got a bit scared by it and thought, well, let's do that. <laughs> and then because it was so lobotomized, they just thought, well, there's no point evolving it, I guess. Mm. Or maybe they're working on it in the background to just, I think they're probably a lot more cautious than OpenAI. Yeah. I mean, you know, looking later on in the year, the OpenAI flare up and 
one of the justifications for chucking Sam off the board was that he was taking too many risks. Um, but, you know, it's always that balance between risks and, and intense innovation. I don't think you can have intense innovation without risk. Yeah, and his argument's always been, isn't it better to get a shit, shit first draft out there yeah. in people's hands so they can see the dangers mm. before it gets too advanced? Yeah. And then we're really fucked. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, I'm not really paraphrasing sure. a little bit there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was from his TED talk, I believe. <laughs> but you know, it, it's um, yeah, it, it's a difficult balance, isn't it? But I, I don't really know where we've actually landed now. I think there is there is some danger to where we are with it, but I don't think it's fully out of control uh, or anything like that. No, I agree. Um, Stephen Wolfram also wrote an amazing piece called "What Is Chat GPT, Chat GPT Doing and Why Does It Work," um, which is an amazing breakdown. Uh, it has a nice sort of overarching explanation, but then it really gets into the detail of how how the model's trained, how it actually forms those sentences. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend giving that a read through. Nice, we'll put uh, that in the show notes, for sure. Uh, I think we mentioned it back in Feb when it came out, but it's it was a good one. Awesome. And then I guess uh, moving on, we had a few nice little releases. We had web push for web apps on iOS and iPad, which was quite a big change. Yeah, I thought this was going to kill um, the native app. And actually, I did see a post from someone the other day saying for enterprise SaaS mm. and sort of business SaaS companies, native apps have sort of gone down the pecking order in terms of priority now. Oh, really? Basically, because, well, people working with leaner workforces mm. um, and I don't necessarily agree with stuff that DHH says, but... Um, one of the things that I do agree with him on is that building for three platforms is quite expensive and yeah. time consuming. Mm. And you're going to need a lot of people, you're throwing a lot of people at a problem for maybe not a lot of benefit. Yeah, I think there was always that buzz of like, we need a native app, we need a native app. But a lot of people don't really understand the repercussions, the trade offs, and whether you actually need some of the native functionality. You know, web, web on iOS and iPad is just so good now. Like, you know, that the kind of functionality that's available to you in the browser is just so different than it was a few years ago. I really wish that Apple would make it nicer to add apps, web apps, progressive yeah. web apps to your home screen. They should be in the app store. Yeah. They should They should feel like an native app regardless, but, you know, obviously Apple want to own that in, in the way they do, but, yeah. But it is what Steve Jobs announced when they launched the iPhone, that everything was going to be a web app. Yeah. And then everyone kicked off. Yeah. So we've caused this. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's a fair point. Um, yeah, it, it turns out also Mozilla and Google are working on iOS browsers that aren't WebKit-based, um, which is a big news. Um, uh, how's that, is that going to be something that Apple is going to allow? I've, I've actually not... There's a, there's a hint towards them allowing it. Yeah. Nice, that's good. Um, I think they argued on security reasons before that you right. had to be WebKit, um, but I think that that argument is diminishing somewhat. Nice, yeah, that'd be really interesting, wouldn't it? It'd be really good to see you know native Chrome uh, coming to iOS because they do a bunch of hacks, some of which are really handy for mm. us when we were building a browser early in the year. Mm. Um, like they have, you know, when you click a link and it highlights a bit of text yeah. in Chrome, mm. they ported that to WebKit Safari. Oh, nice with some JS that they inject, oh, okay. which is open source. And so we, we took inspiration from that in nice. order to build some of the features in Checkloop. Oh, okay, so the sort of like fragmentation highlighting inside of the content. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Nice. Um, there, yeah. It's quite handy for us. Uh, 
That's cool. I do like that, and I, I think the URL scheme for it's a bit chaotic. But yeah, it it looks a bit ropey, doesn't it? I'm not sure who looked at that when that that makes sense. Designed by Dev for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the big the big thing for Feb was was also ChatGPT Plus was launched, wasn't it? Yeah, they just went in with twenty quid a month, get some money, uh, and you immediately started to give them money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it was, it was yeah really good. Obviously, we could use. We already had early access on um, the newer models, but that ChatGPT Plus interface is really was really slick. Mm. Uh, and then in March, we yeah, as we already mentioned, hosted stories on the road, which feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah, um, and OpenAI launched Whisper uh, as an API. They had it as an open source model that you could download and run, mm. and it would. It chug along nicely on a Mac on a beefy MacBook. On a brand new Mac. <laughs> um, but someone had forked it and actually made it work on iPhone as well. So it can run locally on iPhone. But the API is really good because you can just chuck um, audio data at it and it'll just ping your text back without using as a GPU resource. So you can just hook it into whatever web app you're using. I think the Whisper um, speech-to-text tech is better than anything else out there mm. like all the other stuff i've tried doesn't even come close yeah um do you maintain any of your own whisper stuff or do you use all hosted marriage services i've used uh, a mac app locally for whisper transcription just um, for privacy or, like privacy or would just pri well privacy is one and um ease is another um because uploading massive files and then yeah. having it transcribed. But it's called Whisper Script and it's pay as you feel and it downloads the open source models locally. Nice, that's good. Um, but yeah, we'll stick it in the show notes. I yeah. would definitely recommend that. It, what it doesn't do is tell you who's speaking. Right. Um, but Which is what uh, companies like Otter and everything else do quite well. Yeah, if here, here's a startup idea for someone that's got some time. But if you could combine attribution... And whisper and note taking together yeah. in a Mac app in a nice UI. Mm. That's a business. Um, sounds like something that could yeah, work for. Be interested. <laughs> <laughs> Just pick the best bits. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of really interesting opportunity in that space. I think, um, particularly for different um, different industries. You know, obviously, lean work in um, in the ed tech space. There's huge potential for note taking and understanding knowledge. Uh, but then also just in professional context, like meeting notes and um, understanding kind of, for me, like meeting summaries, um, key key people who are speaking in meetings, like even to understand like who dominated the conversation as part of this meeting and what was their general point they were trying to get across, I think is really interesting kind of slice of that tech. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it seems to be really good at picking up industry-specific terms or mm. like if, if you were in a, a class about history or whatever or tech or whatever it was it it knows what context you're talking in and it'll tweak the acronyms mm. and things and it all it knows somehow it's really challenging a lot especially when you get into if you look at like a lot of um certain industries use like latex for example to try and uh, mark up really scientific formulas and really complex things it's really hard if you look at um like transcripts from those sort of lectures or things like that it's really hard to decipher the actual meaning from what someone's talking about when they're hypothetically talking about a very complex 
visual formula, for example. Yeah, definitely. So all that sort of stuff, there's, there's a whole lot of room for innovation there. Yeah, 100%. And you can also pre-prompt it. So there's a prompt parameter so you can put in product names, acronyms, things that you know about that user mm. before you do the transcription. Or you can take you can do it afterwards, so you take the output nice. and stick it back through GPT-4 and correct it. Uh, but yeah, there's some really cool stuff. Awesome. Um, React, they launched their new developer documentation. Yes. Um, which is react.dev. And it's really nice. It's yeah. good. Um, it's... Yeah, another open source meta project. I imagine it probably uses Docusaurus underneath. Right. There's a, there's been quite a nice rise of um, kind of, I don't want to say a new take on doc sites, but I think a much cleaner approach to documentation. Um, Astro have just released a really nice one as well. I think it was View also, and View have done a really nice doc site. Everyone's competing to make sure that, you know, getting started with these frameworks and then also becoming power users is as easy as possible. Yeah, um, DevX is still very much alive and well. Yeah, um, I love it when you get a nice little example code editor that you can play around with and stuff. Yeah, uh, it makes a big difference. Yeah, the playground stuff really helps you kind of articulate and understand your thoughts on on something, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so, so April, um, the end of free money. Uh, you mentioned that Guardian article that was published in April, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. As interest rates creep up, companies that have borrowed money people that have borrowed money to invest in other companies mm. start to want that money back. Um, yeah, it it causes some problems. Um, it, it was a really um, quite a challenging time for a lot of people in the UK, obviously with um, with the rates going the way they did. I know it was a quite, a, quite a universal thing, but in the UK, people who were having kind of tech jobs that were reasonably high paid and then probably committed to pretty beefy mortgages that were then very difficult to, to renew at the same rates. Um, it was quite a scary time, actually. Yeah, I think especially for Silicon Valley, because the price, housing prices there are just astronomical as well. Um, it probably resulted in a lot of people moving out of San Fran and yeah. looking at other ways. Um, but yeah, definitely a trend this year of companies actually making real money than yeah, just <laughs> users. Because even companies like WhatsApp could serve billions of people on a team of Mm. 60 70 people but the, it just eats cash yeah. it doesn't make it can't make money not well not <laughs> not through direct means at least no yeah. so when facebook bought it they were hoping to just acquire those users and monetize them later somehow but yeah yeah you run out of runway unless you're meta you don't have that runway to, to yeah. figure it out do you yeah yeah exactly um and also in april um, apple won the uh, battle against epic games didn't they they did um, and they were complaining about Apple having a monopoly on the App Store. Yeah. Uh, I do feel like um, Apple will eventually open up to third-party App Stores. Yeah. It does seem like it's going that way. Mm. I think if the US courts don't do it, the EU courts will. Yeah. But, yeah, the Apple v. Epic case, Apple came out on top. Yeah, which was it wasn't surprising, but it was kind of a bit sad to see. I think because you were kind of hoping for the underdog at that point, right? Yeah, and you can see where Epic are coming from. Like they've got their own distribution model, and yeah, yeah, you don't want to pay that thirty percent fee. But you're also playing at Apple's playground, so it's kind of difficult, really. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and then in May, our good friends at Meta will find $1.3 billion, <laughs> which is not a small amount of money, uh, over data transfers to the US and this is by the EU. So, uh, yeah, this is one of the bigger slaps on the wrist that we've seen. Yeah. Um, basically, nothing complies with the EU's data export stuff no. like Google Analytics the old Google Analytics unless you move to GA4 and things like that and even then I don't know if it fully complies all the time uh, I think US tech companies have just sort of closed their eyes and gone mm, really hard problem probably yeah. just take the slap on the wrists Yeah, but then these slaps are getting bigger <laughs> <laughs> well it's you know it's good to see repercussions for some of these things that aren't being taken seriously uh, I think one of the latest ones for this was also um, Twitter was it they, they got into trouble around some of their EU handling of, um, I can't remember exactly what, I think it might have been sort of some sort of data transfer from EU to US and GDPR, or it was something like that, but they got quite a big slap on the wrist as well. So it's good to see that these sort of things are getting kind of bigger airtime on, you know. Yeah, I think what you'd hope, what tech companies might try and do is then spend loads of time developing these workarounds and different solutions to keep it in the EU but then charging that back to EU citizens as a premium basically yeah which is an unfortunate yeah. uh, outcome but yeah you are seeing like a completely separate EU run uh, Microsoft Azure and things like that now yeah um, it, it has taken a, a bit of time but people are people are doing the things they want them to do eventually yeah it, it's tricky though isn't it because um I don't actually agree with some of the legislation that we have agreed on. You know, I mean, the famous example is um, the cookie law. You yeah. know, it's just absolutely shite. It, yeah. it, it's, it's a really terrible implementation of, of, you know, we've talked about this a lot in terms of it should be something that's implemented in the browser or whatever else. And, yeah. you know, it's just part of, you know, part of using the internet <laughs> is acknowledging that that is something that you comply with. Um, and, you know, the the latest, um, what's the AI bill called? The latest one, I, I forget. EU AI Act. That's the one, very, very casually named. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's, well, there's the the European Union's, um, yeah, AI Act, the a AIA, they call it, don't they? Um, so yeah, I think, you know, it's tricky because the argument is, well, some sort of legislation is better than no legislation, but then the problem is if we rush to create legislation before we fully understand the scope of the problem or the technology, it becomes really challenging, doesn't it? Yeah, if, if you don't understand the underlying tech as well and you're making legislation, mm. um, then it becomes, yeah, a bit of a blunt instrument that you might be yeah, attacking it in the wrong way. And yeah, yeah and then cookie stuff is a good example. Yeah, exactly. Um, that sound you can hear is immense wind from outside. Um, <laughs> the Santa's obviously coming a bit early <laughs> this year. Um, yeah, so then um, chat GPT launched iOS, and then also there was kind of more more technology coming to iOS as well with Final Cut and uh, Logic Pro, wasn't it? Yeah, so that must be a massive undertaking, bringing Logic and Final Cut to iPad. Yeah, um, that's yeah. I don't envy the devs on that at all. <laughs> What's amazing is that you didn't really hear anything of it, and they were like hey here's this mega powerful tool on ios now yeah. and you're like wow that's actually i don't know how they actually did it the underlying um kind of architecture did they port it did they like emulate how, how have they done it i think that because um the mac os and ios have been getting slowly similar over the years i think they've got 
all the underlying nuts and bolts to run similar things now because you can run iPad apps on macOS and you've got widgets from iOS now on desktop and yeah, I, yeah. I'm really enjoying that actually. They're just doing a, a very long but thought out emerging of underlying libraries and toolkits and things. Yeah. Um, the things that didn't quite make it over all third party AU stuff. Yeah. Which you can imagine that's going to be a whole other few years of pain, isn't it? Yeah, I reckon. But yeah. a lot of the big third parties came across. Um, but yeah, it's tricky because there's a lot of C++ that needs recompiling and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that on different architectures and everything still, because they're still using different chips and everything, aren't they? But Yeah, so on, on MacOS, I imagine a lot of AUs will be Rosetta secretly. Yeah. Um, and which is a, still an amazing piece of tech. The fact you can run Intel X eighty six with like seamlessly without even thinking about it. I thought um, that was the the absolute biggest flex where they were like, and oh, we built this thing that just kind of cross emulate compiles things, and you can just kind of get on with your your day. You're like, yeah, right, okay. How have you done that? <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty performant because the M one chip's so quick. It's um, very clever. But that's I guess that's the benefit of designing your own chip, right? You know, what, kind of how you want to architect some of these um, these layers. Yeah, that's it. Um, we also had a few interesting launches. Uh, there's a really interesting React library called Ink. I think it's used in a bunch of CLI tools where you can make little loading progress indicators and, like, yeah, all sorts of stuff. Uh, GitHub Copilot CLI uses it. Cloudflare's Wrangler uses it. Gatsby, Terraform, CDK. Nice. If you were recreating VTOP these days, would you build it in Ink? Oh, I could do, couldn't I? That's that's a Christmas project if I ever heard one. <laughs> if you ever get past the second day of Advent of Code, which is absolutely difficult as hell, would you? <laughs> I jumped around a bit, so I've done day 15 and day 1, 2, oh, really? and 3, and 4. I've given up. Have you given up? <laughs> yeah. I never really started. But day 2 was nasty, wasn't it? But I just it set the tone. It, it annoyed me from day 1, <laughs> literally. Um, but yeah, that's cool. Um, so yeah, I'll have a play with Ink over the holiday. Um, Chrome added web GPU support, which is really big for people in the 3D world. Mm. Um, so before web GPU, um, you could uh, do some OpenGL stuff and it used like a subset of OpenGL, mm. whereas now you can do a ton of stuff more. And yeah, it, I'm not explaining it very well, but there's some really, I'm just looking at some really good demos that are just sort of mesmerizing me a little bit <laughs> this, um, it's, it's stuff like that though you know we talked about that kind of move from from native to uh, web-based apps like it's this sort of functionality where you've got very specific um tools and implementations for specific industries where i think that will be hugely powerful in the browser that would wouldn't be you know webgl library in a native app um it's really come along a long way yeah it really has um I'm slightly upset that the shaded syntax has changed because I really like the old shader syntax once I'd learnt it and now I'm going to learn it again. But <laughs> apart from that, <laughs> I'm pretty happy. So you get over it. I'll get over it, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, kind of the final thing in May was that uh, All Day Hay 2023 went ahead. Um, and it was, yeah, roaring success. Yeah, loved it. I, I, I'd absolutely love running this conference. Um, I, I hope to do it for many years to come. Uh, it's just a really nice feeling when you've got loads of people in the same room getting really excited about technology. Um, so yeah, it was just a really nice one this year. A really lovely lineup. Um, all the all the talks were available for free on the site, so go check them out. There's some, some really nice mixture of, of topics. Yeah, 
it's it's a good one uh, and it's coming back next may as well yeah yeah it's going to be the second of may so uh keep your eyes peeled in january for tickets early birds go on sale about mid john nice good plug <laughs> we're getting better at this aren't we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um swiftly on to june a few bits happened we launched fluency bot which is our internal tool yes. while we're on the plugging train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's read all your internal documentation. You ask it a question, it tells you the answer. Um, I really like this. Uh, I'm not just plugging it for you. I genuinely think it solves a problem. And I, I like the fact that you can point it at your knowledge base and it will know kind of what you're talking about and answer it in some really sensible way. Um, it, I, I really like it. We're going to be pushing this a lot in January once everyone's got over their Christmas New Year hangovers, um, yeah. and yeah, adding other knowledge-based sources into the mix and more customization. Yeah, be good. I, I that's one thing I'm excited for the kind of future of AI. Just these different interfaces to you know, if you look at Confluence in its purest form and things like that, you know, it's not really a very natural way for humans to understand and find information. It now that tree of knowledge is like you tapping into the now and it makes sense the person that organized it and nobody yeah. else yeah exactly um so i'm really excited you know just to get into this world where you ask me a question it knows the context of what you're talking about and, and responds with something sensible yeah links you right to it yeah um sec sued coinbase and binance uh, days apart from each other yeah um so yeah massive scare in the crypto world um like not that it needed anymore <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the really tightening regulations around turning cash into crypto and vice versa, probably to help alleviate or yeah. Yeah, prevent money laundering and tax evasion, all those lovely things. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a much bigger topic, but it's really hard to regulate this stuff properly when, you know, when you have these sorts of um, systems in place. I, I don't know what the long-term solution is other than we just accept that there are flaws to that system and there's going to be kind of ways through it but i don't know it's not something you can easily legislate um really the kind of the kind of, kind of worms is already kind of cracked open right yeah i think yeah with the uk government um asked coinbase to t- take pictures of everyone's face and passports and mm. then provide them a list of all the people that had over X thousand pounds in holdings or whatever, mm. which they'll do precisely for call with, I imagine. <laughs> um, but the heart's in the right place. That's yeah. the kind of thing you need to do to prevent money laundering. Yeah. We've got much bigger problems, though. Tories are all corrupt, aren't they? So. Yeah, that's definitely a top of the zone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tory corruption is probably one of the bigger challenges we've got in the UK. Um, yeah, Binance and uh, Coinbase probably a bit lower down the pecking order in terms of things to attack yeah they're a little bit lower on my shit list but not much um but yeah and um and then kind of going into july um <laughs> there was an absolutely massive mishap from nasa wasn't there yeah they uh they lost connection to voyager 2 because they put some they sent some wrong coordinates things to it yeah um yeah bad day at the office and they were like this is not going to come back but then it was about a month later it did actually just yeah. come back online. <laughs> it was I was I, I felt weirdly emotional about it. I don't know why. Yeah. I was kinda like it was just nice to see that it <laughs> it's a good it's a good story. Yeah, because I mean this 
it's the most extreme IoT project ever. It's 19 billion kilometers away. <laughs> <laughs> Can't just like turn it off and on again, can you? Uh, well, we've had we've had chats in the pub about some of the kind of over the air updates that you've done on IoT devices and some of the strategies to ensure that you don't brick it. That is like next level. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> like billions of pounds worth of mistake. <laughs> and you can't just go and fish it back, can you? So, I was surprised they were able to fat finger over it, though. I thought that was a bit worrying. Um, I mean, to a degree, you've got to appreciate that everything's just tied together with nuts and bolts. Yeah, a bit of gaffer tape. Yeah. Some humans are in the mix. Yeah. I would love to have been a fly on the wall in a meeting where that was kind of like, we've done a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like when we did the fuck ups talk. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that immediate like fear where your belly sort of falls out. <laughs> you know when you delete your production, and you're like, I've got to go and tell someone about this now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, then uh, also Microsoft launched TypeChat. TypeChat is mint because it's an open source library that coerces large language models into producing type safe. Uh, objects yes so you say oh look i want a address and i want people associated to it and i want this kind of mm. hierarchy you stick that in and then you stick your unstructured data and it comes out all nice that's incredibly good isn't it um i mean we've used it for a few pocs but then you end up um just taking two of the concepts and writing it yourself but it, if you want to get going quickly i would recommend it mm. um does some nice things where you just use the TypeScript type definition file. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. Worth checking out. It's It'll be in the show notes. Awesome. And then uh, GPT-4, GPT-4's API was launched as well. Yes, which was really useful because we can then actually productionize some of the GPT-4 stuff we were working Without on. bankrupting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but my spend's under control-ish now. Um, <laughs> I say-ish. I like how you don't really believe that yourself. Like. No, you can tell by my face. I'm, I'm thinking I need to check that after this call, after this podcast. Must check billing dashboard. <laughs> Is it less than two grand? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's good to see these models uh, iterating now, like GPT-4 Turbo and um, making things more affordable, more expensive operations affordable. Um, looking at like the balance between, am I going to train uh, GPT-3.5 or am I going to... Go before and it's more expensive, but I need to work harder. Like, you know, the different kind of trade-offs for these different models is really interesting when you're designing new prod- products. Yeah, 100%. And you can, yeah, do all sorts of tricks where you you have a, we call them pre-flights, but like a, a little prompt in 3.5 to figure out which direction you need to take. If it's a simple question, you can use yeah. um, 3.5 with some the right context. Uh, if it's more complex, you might need to use chain of thoughts. Yeah. But yeah, it's good. It is all sexy stuff. Um, Meta launched Threads, which everybody used for a week and then forgot about. I really wanted it to be good, but it, it was just shite, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it wasn't great. <laughs> it keeps getting plugged in Instagram, though, and I keep tapping my way through to it and then get confused coming back. I keep... Do you know what it's like? It's like that... Like, locally to you, it's like a really crap bar that launches and you just keep popping your head in to see if it's got any better and, yeah. it, and it hasn't. yeah. And that's kind of... And it's empty and you worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) How long is this going to (laughs) last? Yeah. I think um, the issue for me is when they launched, it was all launched with just the iOS app and the Android app. There was no web version of it, if you remember. Yeah. So you couldn't link things to it. It it really halted the viral nature of like 
because the good thing about Twitter is you, you send tweets to people all the time. Um, and yeah, they just hadn't quite got the mechanic quite right. Yeah. I was really annoyed though, because I really wanted, after Elon was just butchering Twitter, I really wanted it to be good. Yeah. I, I mean, Twitter's had its wobbles and they, I think they broke all external links for half a day the other day, but yeah. nobody really gave a shit because it's just Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I love how people still like to use it, but have kind of accepted that the quality of service is going to be terrible all the time. Yeah. It, it's, I've never really seen that before. <laughs> like, <laughs> But if you remember right at the beginning of Twitter, it was shit then, wasn't it? it fail it was, whale, wasn't it? it? Yeah, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. And... The, the reason you buy something for 40 billion or whatever it was is that it worked. Yeah. I, I tend to think that was part of the value that it worked. But yeah. Yeah. Good example of how not to product manage though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so moving into August, chat GPT enterprise launch. So there's loads of really nice, pretty, if you look at the tech, pretty swift iterations on chat GPT. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing a really good job. Um, they, They've obviously heard about the concerns around privacy and yeah. they've gone, we'll sell you a, a thing that looks way more secure. Actually, secretly just the same thing with a different yeah. license agreement. I also think it was the result of the board going, you've had your fun. <laughs> can you can you please generate more income for us? Yeah, or at least cover the cost a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and in August, there was a great article about how... Um, 100% of people will be disabled in some way in their lives yeah. and how important that is to consider, especially around UX and accessibility. Um, but we'll pop it in the show notes. But um, I, I, I yeah. absolutely loved this article. Um, I, I loved the mindset of that we, like temporary disabilities is something, even just down to the fact that you've had a child and you're holding the baby and therefore you're one-handed. Like yeah. things that people don't necessarily connect with being disabled. But for me, it really helped um, advance my mindset on on what disability really means when we're building products. And I found it a really powerful, um, powerful article. So it's a really good one to shout out. Yeah, it's, um, it's Sarah who's... Course, it's based off this article. Who goes into talk about practical accessibility and how, yeah, everyone will be disabled at some point, and we're all just temporarily abled. Um, yeah. But yeah, thoughtful piece. Um, and then you also joined Glean as the CTO. Yeah, which also feels like a lifetime. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was only August. I know, but yeah, now I've, I've um, you know, I've been there for for three, four, four months now. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, it's a great company, really lovely culture. Um, long may it continue. Nice, good work. Um, Apple in September launched Name Drop, which is pretty cool. You tap two phones together. There's a sexy animation. Mm. Apple know have got the best animations in the game. Yeah. Um, and then share contacts, and then the news were like, I think the police in the US were like, disable this feature because could, you could get attacked in a bar or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But Apple have thought about all that because you actually have to press a button. So, oh, do you now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I think you do anyway. Well, so you tap, you, then something happens, and it only shares what you choose yeah. to share initially, and then you press a button, and then it shares the more in-depth thing. Yeah, because I always carry mine and Elsa's phone together and they're just constantly trying to uh, <laughs> name drop me all the time. Oh, right. I wonder if you accept the name drop, whether it stops doing that. After. It, get, it got caught in this like infinite loop of just dropping to each phone. <laughs> I quite enjoyed it. Um, yes. 
And then there was that massive air traffic control meltdown, wasn't there? Yeah, and that was just, it's all like really old school text-based yeah. files that get shifted about. And I think it was just a little typo. Uh, <laughs> and it took down all air traffic control. Um, and then there's a really, really technical in-depth explanation, which I have got no idea how to understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's mad though, like you realise how how critical infrastructure is still basically plumbed together with moving moving legacy files around different systems so things can pick them up and use them it's quite chaotic oh it's all bag of spanners underneath yeah if you actually look at the standard the format standard for the files that are moved around it's nuts it's even worse than ics which i think (laughs) is also a terrible format um but yeah it's crazy isn't it i mean it yeah makes sense to someone um it's, yeah. it's a bunch of linear instructions. If you, if you, you know, in the notes, we'll put this link to this uh, article. But yeah, it's a bunch of instructions just saying, like, what's the address? What are the, what's the um, origin of the, the flight? Um, there's loads of just really interesting metadata. Yeah. But it looks crazy. Um, yeah. So hopefully they'll fix that. <laughs> Can you imagine how hard that would be in upgrading the infrastructure, though? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't even comprehend. <laughs> yeah. um, and then. Um, Datadog alternative. Uh, there's there was an open source Datadog alternative that launched um, called HyperDX. Is it? Yeah, there's a bunch of these actually. Um, there's there's a big movement for open telemetry and like freedom of actual logging and observability data. Yeah, which is going to threaten Datadog, New Relic, other mm-hmm. players, um, because they have just cranked the prices up. Yeah, and it's getting to the point where large organisations are going. We can't afford mm. like hundreds of thousands of pounds a year for this thing mm. when we, somebody in the team can provision a box and chuck some data at it and get what they need out of it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting in terms. Of, I, I think we've come a long way in terms of the you know, data warehousing options and um, just general kind of data, um, you know, data tooling. Databricks is a huge player in the space at the moment, but they're also just mega expensive. Like, yeah, and you might want something out of the data that these tools, these SaaS products don't give you easily. I mean, yeah. a lot of them, to be fair to New Relic and Datadog, they do let you query the underlying data quite easily. But yeah, um, yeah they want you to keep it in their, in their system, don't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah. Um, so I guess moving on to October. Yeah. Um, so Webflow had their uh, annual Webflow Conf. Um, loads of interesting stuff, including DevLink, which is really interesting for us because you can click a component mm. in Webflow and turn it into a React component and sync it into a Next.js project. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Yeah, and it works really nicely. And you can even inject, let's say it's like a header. Uh, you can inject like the avatar of the person that's logged in and a logout button from outside into yeah. the Webflow component. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that is uh, cool. I think they're going to absolutely smash it. Amazing. Uh, and it was also Next.js Conf, which was really boring. <laughs> <laughs> they launched a new image tag and a source. To, it was like, why is this a new version of Next.js? This is really shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've seen some really weird moves from Vassell. Um I saw recently some of their people were speaking at a different conference and they just took loads of Vassell banners and draped it over the podium oh wow okay. like, like, i'm like that's not that's not cool um, no i mean they're 
they're aggressively marketing at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. If you logged in and you visit a page on the Vercel site about, like, I visited a security page to do some research, mm. and then like two days later, I get the email saying, looks like you're checking out our security thing. It looks like it's handwritten email from this guy in the team. I hate it. It's like, I know that this is just marketing automation, but yeah, it just feels really pushy. I really hate that. I think because I'm, I'm overexposed to it with LinkedIn, which is awful. Um, I, I just think I really hate this, that approach to marketing. It really grates on me. Yeah, must work though. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing it, but annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, also, um, you know, WCAG um, 2.2 was released, which is the accessibility guidelines. Yeah, um, this was flagged to me by one of my team members, James Amwell, who is mega into accessibility stuff. Um, he summarised it as just being a really sensible set of, mm. set of standards, and they're just, yeah, iterating and improving on it. Um, it's something that we try and pitch into projects as much as we can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're definitely worth checking out. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about what the baseline for uh, accessibility is at Glean, um, being a tool that kind of generally um, supports students with disabilities. It's been quite a, a kind of vital um, document to, to talk to, um, so definitely worth it up. Uh, and then yeah, the you know the Mac the Mac um, game changing continues with the M3 Mac launch, which has just been you know. Even faster, even more competent kind of Max than we've ever seen before. Yeah, hardware-based ray tracing is really quick now, and yeah, really good for 3D stuff. So yeah, absolutely smashing it. Yeah, and then November was where uh, OpenAI just <laughs> <laughs> melted down. Yeah, so I was really excited. So I, I, you're going to laugh at this, but I, I'd got all the living room set up so me and Ellie could eat dinner in the living room and have the OpenAI dev day on the telly. And Ellie was like, what? on earth is this I'm like this is this is the new Apple keynote I was going to say because it used to be us all sitting around like are you watching it yeah it, it, it used to be Apple keynote I, I can watch I can watch the Apple keynote a day later now I'm not too fussed yeah I, I don't mind yeah I can remember you being excited you you kind of like live blogging it to me at the time I was like I don't know should I care about this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we had little channels up at work and I was getting excited in there as well and it's like what, what are you on about I love it um, but they launched GPTs and we were excited by that and then the third cut the price into a third which shot yeah i mean finance manager parallax are very happy about that (laughs) (laughs) but then the week after was yeah the power struggle booted sam out yeah and then everyone was like i'm leaving (laughs) that was a real show of force i was i was just amazed by that whole uh you know fiasco but amazingly he returned and it was like nothing ever happened yeah um, which was crazy yeah i think it's done him a lot better yeah, uh, yeah, he's going to be in a lot more of a strong position, but I think, yeah, whether it's good for AI and the world as a whole, we'll we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, um, and there was also a reinvent. Yes. So, yeah, as I mentioned, didn't manage to make it this year, um, but they launched a really high accuracy hand palm scanner for access control. Yeah. So it scans all the the wrinkles and things on your hand, which is unique to you, and it's way more accurate than uh, retina scanning and fingerprints and things like that. That's cool. Which is really good. What if you have third-degree burns from cooking? Um, I don't know how well it works with that. (laughs) Less good. Yeah. Um, And 
Corey's review of, of reInvent was really funny because he said that they ne- they'll also launch the fifth way to scale Aurora that doesn't work, <laughs> <laughs> um, which I've, I've been burnt by in the past. So mm. serverless Aurora is quite rubbish at scaling up and down, even though that's the whole point of it. Yeah. And then they also just slammed vector databases into everything. Yeah. Because AI, um, including DynamoDB. There was a lot of bedrock noise as well, but... To be honest, a lot of the stuff that Google and Amazon are previewing mm. is still a year behind what OpenAI are actually shipping. So, um, in my opinion, yeah, I think there's also I was chatting to John Milton uh, the other day about Single Store and some of these new oh, yeah. kind of emerging startups that are creating kind of really powerful. Uh, I don't want to say database engines because I think underneath it's tied together a few different bits of tech, but just trying to really rethink how we throw data at things and then figure out how to use it later. Um, super exciting space to, to be looking at. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, so into December, which we are obviously in now, um, Dino KV. Dino KV. So Dino is, is, is an attempt to make JavaScript ecosystem more sensible, um, kind of like Bun. Yeah. Um, but they have a key value store which you can store things in on the server side and then you can watch it from the client mm. and have it all sync nicely. It looks really interesting. So for real-time updates, so definitely worth checking out that. That's Yeah, that's that's pretty um, pretty cool. This is uh, definitely, I feel like Dino and Bun are the things to play with over Christmas but not to productionize in January. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it might be. Um, we're, we're on a bit of sort of wait-and-see yeah. journey with those. Bun is proving quite useful for local package inst- installation, but yeah. um, I'm cautiously optimistic that Bun will win out, And mm. but I'm just going to wait another six months because JavaScript ecosystem is quite fickle. Yeah, we'll you don't want to jump on the new shiny every month, do you? Yeah, it's, you know, we've been here before. Not that Yarm was a failure, but, you know, the different kind of iterations of package management and everything. Have you tried Yarn 4? No. Uh, yeah, it got me out of a pickle, but it basically makes you commit not just the lock file, but the entire package manager into your repo. Oh, so that's quite similar to um, what Jay Rayson wrote for Shrink Wrap, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. yeah. but going back to a previous solution. Yeah. <laughs> um, Meta launched StyleX, which they've been secretly using, or probably not so secretly if you work at Meta, mm. for everything uh, style related in React. Um so while we've been limping along by using various third-party tools, mm. Meta have been refining StyleX, which is now open source and definitely worth checking out. Quite interesting. There's been a lot of criticism um, to styling in well, CSS and JS and styling in JavaScript in general. Um, so if you are still unsatisfied, it might be worth a look. Yeah, you need to remember why we arrived at JS, uh, CSS in JS in the first place was because of IE and mm. the size of Facebook mm. and um, you just couldn't have a CSS file that big mm. one of the reasons and then performance isn't obviously another big one but yeah things have evolved we've yeah. got CSS modules now we've got a bunch of other cool stuff in browsers so yeah. Stalex takes advantage of that yeah absolutely um, one of my favourite things, uh, which I know is yours too, which was IA Writer announced this really cool solution to how to detect generated AI content inside of the editor itself. Yeah, so you paste and you tell it what the source is. Mm. And they've also released um, 
really nice annotation markdown format yeah for other editors to use super excited about that because you know not not just with what i'm working on in, in day-to-day with glean but also just how to annotate up you know and, and kind of We've seen some of this a little bit in like YAML front matter, GitHub's the kind of flavored markdown. We've seen some attempts at this in the past, but um, this is the first real example I've seen of it, it being something that could really have legs. Yeah, and it's they've been teasing their solution for a while. It's really smart because they've really thought about how people could use this in the real world. So my workflow for writing something, a large document, is get first flush notes down into bullets, stick that in chat GPT, ask it to elaborate a bit more, Yeah. get that into a document. And what our IA writer does is all of that is in gray. Yeah. And you basically want to touch every line and that's yeah. how you know you've reviewed it. And every time you edit something, it darkens. It's super cool. It, it really like, it really helps you to understand mentally what you've processed and understood. Uh, I, I really, really like their approach and, and I hope it catches on. And you, because you know you can freely, those grade, grade outlines, you know you just freely delete those as yeah. it, at, at will because you know it's not your own genuine yeah. thought. So you can just like slam through. Whereas if you work in Google Docs and with multiple people and yeah. they're pasting stuff from oh. AI, you're fucked, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you need to know who's thought, what, what. Is it a genuine opinion? Is it from ChatGPT? Is yeah. it from this person? You need to know and yeah, love it. Yeah, big fan, big fan. Um, and then we had... Uh, a couple of good wrap-up posts, which we've, one of them is very, very uh, cloud infrastructure, internet-y, which is the Cloudflare 2023 year in review. Mm. And they basically go and say, everyone's using React, everyone's using <laughs> HTTP3. Um, but they just talk about major outages and how the internet is performing a, 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 on a whole Um which is super interesting, right? Yeah, as as one of the backbones of the internet, Cloudflare has a really interesting perspective on that. Yeah, data. I mean they they see everything. Yeah, yeah, like well, all the traffic says that Google Analytics, React, and HubSpot are the most popular tech. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <coughs> but yeah, super interesting. And then uh, Spotify wrapped. I'm getting a bit bored of those, uh, but yeah. they did another one. Yeah, and then laid a load of people off, which we mentioned at the top of the program. But yeah. Uh, we had a Spotify unwrapped for the podcast, which was bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> it just um, it just didn't really give an insight into anything other than, well, thanks for giving us your podcast. Yeah, uh, and now we're going to get deprioritized by their algorithm, I imagine. Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's the nature of the beast. <laughs> but, yeah, that was the year, uh, as we saw it from a tech point of view. Yeah, AI dominating the, the story. But, yeah, we made it. Well done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to 20, uh, 2024. I think you know we're going to see the continued kind of rise of AI uh, in, in most modern day products. But yeah, really excited to see kind of where it goes. Um, and, and yeah, just really looking forward to a little bit of a break and then getting getting straight back to it. Absolutely. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, have a good one. See you later. And that's it for that episode and for the year. Thanks for sticking with us and hit subscribe to get more episodes next year. Have a good break. We'll see you in 2024.